Your body is unique. So why would you settle for a weight loss plan that's one size fits all? Noom is the weight management program that takes into account your biology to build a custom plan just for you. Stay focused on what's important to you with Noom's psychology and biology-based approach. Sign up for your trial today at Noom.com and check out Noom's first ever cookbook, The Noom Kitchen, for 100 healthy and delicious recipes to promote better living. Available to buy now wherever books are sold. Support for this show comes from Nine West. Winter's finally coming to a close, but you might still fall the very ground beneath your feet with the hottest new trends from Nine West. Nothing beats the confidence the perfect little piece can give you. And their new collections of footwear, apparel, and accessories will let you take on the world in style. Use their Need It Now Edit, also known as the Nine Edit, to search effortlessly through trends like Western-style boots, loafers, and more. It's time to wear our confidence, ladies. We can't be contained. Because this spring at Nine West, we are infinite. Buy now and get 15% off with code PODCAST24. I'm Julianne Hirsch. Um, my husband is Jules Hirsch. She's sitting across from me. We've been married for almost 63 years, I guess. No, 62 years and 59 days. <laughs> wow, that's right. pretty. You know, it, you know it down to the day. Yeah. <laughs> I count every day. So when you both met, you were both called Jules. Is that right? No, no, we were both called Julie. Julie when you both met. Yeah, it was a very interesting story. I was playing bass in the Chautauqua Symphony Orchestra, and uh, I had lunch in the cafeteria one day, and I walked in and ordered food, and Julianne was the waitress. And uh, when I got it the wasn't bill a at the... It wasn't a cafeteria. It was a tally-ho restaurant. The tally-ho restaurant. And when I got the bill uh, for the meal, I looked at it, and I read it over carefully, and it said in the column where it said server, it had the name Julie. So I called her over to me, and I said, why is my name on this bill? And she said to me, that's not your name. It's my name. So that's how... We first met. To tell me a little bit, what did you both like each other when you saw each other in that restaurant the first time? <laughs> well, <laughs> she was a very good-looking girl. She's more beautiful now than she was then. <laughs> she gets more beautiful every day. And she had wonderful eyes. And that dress that she wore was very tight. <laughs> And well, I think I was attracted to him because he was a musician. I had gone to Chautauqua because I wanted to be with some music that summer. And I think the fact that he was a musician was what attracted me to him. Both Jules and Julianne Hirsch grew up loving music. Jules was born in Manhattan and raised in Brooklyn. Julianne is from Newburgh, New York. Growing up, Julianne took piano lessons and Jules played practically every instrument. Well, I, uh, my father was a professional viola player and one of the busiest in New York City. 
And uh, as I grew up, I started various instruments. I learned the piano. I learned percussion instruments. I learned the violin. And uh, uh, when I went to high school, when I got into high school, uh, I, I went down to the auditorium after the official class period to register for a music class. And the man sitting at the desk said, what would you like to study? And I said, I'd like to study the viola. I thought in my mind that I would surprise my father because he was a viola player, so I would play the viola. And the teacher said, no, you're the tallest boy in the class. You're going to learn the bass. And that's, that's how I started <laughs> to play the double bass. And I became quite good. Jules became a professional musician. He played double bass in the Queen Symphony Orchestra, the Brooklyn Philharmonic, the Westfield Symphony, and New Jersey State Opera Orchestra. Julianne went to Vassar and graduated in 1961 with a degree in music. She got her master's from Hunter College in music performance. The two met in Chautauqua in 1959. I, I saved my life, which is going to be 90 years in 24 days, uh, is in two parts. The first part, before Julianne, and the second part, 64 years with Julianne. I, I recall you're dating somebody else that summer also. <laughs> Maybe you don't remember that. <laughs> I think we sort of zigged and zagged for a while, but by the end of the summer... Uh, I I can't remember why we ended up. Uh, I don't know. We ended up on the train together going home. <laughs> That's all I remember. But I think there was a lot of physical attraction going on also. Jules is six feet tall. Julianne is four nine. They got married two years later on June twenty fifth, nineteen sixty one. They moved to a house in Brooklyn and eventually had two children. Now they have eight grandchildren and still live in the same house. Over the years, a number of their grandchildren have passed through to live with them during summer internships or jobs in the city. Their grandchildren told us that when they lived in the house, they'd wake up to love notes Jules had left out the night before for Julianne to find on the counter. Sometimes the notes were simple. I had a nice day today. Other times, their grandson said he would get a couple of words in and realize this wasn't meant for him. For over 50 years, almost as long as Jules and Julianne have lived together in Brooklyn, they've been going to the same synagogue, Beth Elohim, in Park Slope. When Julianne and I had children... We looked at each other and said, if we're going to have our children grow up as Jews, we have to connect with a synagogue. And so we went around. Uh, we spent every Friday night in the fall of 1956 going to no. various... <laughs> wrong, year, wrong year. What? Wrong year. Wrong year. 19... 
the fall of 1966, we, okay. we went to various <laughs> temples to, to, to see which one we would like to affiliate with. And when we came to Beth Elohim, it was a very special place for me because, one, they had an organ and a, and a small choir and a cantor, and uh, the music or the service was really beautiful. For a long time, Jules had been interested in learning how to be a cantor, the person who leads a congregation in song or prayer. So when he was younger, he took some classes at the Jewish Theological Seminary. When Jules and Julianne joined Beth Elohim, Jules told the rabbi that he could chant the Torah. The rabbi asked Jules to sing for the High Holy Days. Eventually, the rabbi asked Jules if he could do something else, too, teach bar mitzvah students. A bar bat mitzvah happens at 12 or 13. Preparing for the ceremony takes a long time and can include learning how to chant a portion of the Torah. I think a lot of people find it intimidating. Um, Chanting Torah is difficult. Rabbi Rachel Timoner is the senior rabbi at Beth Elohim. It's difficult anytime you do it, and it's difficult even if you're fluent in Hebrew because the Torah itself has no vowels, and it has no punctuation, and it has no what we call trope marks. The Torah is sung. It is chanted. It is not just read. And so in order to read it, in order to chant it, you have to both memorize the vowels and memorize the, the song that you're singing. When my children were studying for their bar mitzvah and bar mitzvah, they couldn't have breakfast until they chanted for me. <laughs> or go out to the movies. Jules taught his own children, almost all of his grandchildren, and he estimates about a thousand more. He was the bar and bat mitzvah tutor at Beth Elohim for 35 years. He was president of our congregation two times. I believe he's the only person who's been president two different times. Jewel still participates in Beth Elohim services. He plays the shofar, an ancient instrument made from a hollowed ram's horn. So on High Holy Days, when everyone is standing at attention, he is the one who sounds the shofar, which usually people think is something that you need to be young to do. It requires an incredible amount of breath and force. So he's a legend. I mean, there's really, he's nothing short of a legend at this in this community. And Jules is a, like a sweetheart. Um, I mean, Jules, every time I talk to him, tells me how much he loves me. He kisses my hand when I see him, and then I kiss his hand. That's our little ritual together. In her role as head of the congregation, Rabbi Timoner blesses all the major milestones of someone's life. Births, bar and bat mitzvahs, marriages, funerals. We, we tend to think, we tend to say that Judaism has a blessing for everything, that there's no moment in life that, that is without, uh, that the rabbis forgot about or that there isn't a blessing for. But it's just not true. We actually have very major life cycle events for the first half of life. We have special events around the birth of a new baby. We have special events around a young person coming of age at age 13. We have special events around people falling in love and deciding they want to share their lives together, which we typically think of as a wedding. Um, we we don't have much after that. Uh, and then, you know, the next big thing you have is a funeral. 
And there's a lot of time between those moments. And so looking at my congregation, I was seeing, you know, most people are in a moment, in a time, in a long stretch of time where there's actually no Jewish life cycle ritual that's designed for them. There's no official Jewish life cycle moment uh, that is designed for the second half of life. Rabbi Timoner decided she wanted Beth Elohim to come up with some. So she started a committee to come up with ideas. There's a, a feminist kind of newly designed idea that not many people have picked up on called Simchat Chochmah, which is about, it was designed for a woman coming into her age of wisdom, which was 70. Um, and so I'm wanting to pick up on that idea and play with it and see what we could do for people. There's uh, there's the idea of having a second bar about mitzvah, which is 70 years after your first one, because 70 in Judaism represents the age of wisdom and it represents kind of wholeness. So if you've become bar bat mitzvah at 13, well, then when you're 83, it might be time to do it again. I'm Phoebe Judge, and this is Love. We'll be right back. Support for This Is Love comes from Indeed. Hiring someone new can sometimes feel like finding a missing puzzle piece. The right person can complete a team, but the search can take a long time. And sometimes it feels entirely up to chance. Indeed is designed to help you find that perfect match much easier and much faster. Indeed's matching engine learns from your preferences for job candidates and becomes more accurate over time. That means the more you use it, the better it gets. You also don't need to worry about the busy work of hiring. Indeed will help you with scheduling, screening, and messaging candidates. Join the more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. Listeners to this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash thisislove. Just go to Indeed.com slash thisislove right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash thisislove. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Most weight loss programs focus on restriction and inflexible routine, which is why most diets fail. But Noom isn't a diet. It's a weight management program that uses psychology and biology to help you develop healthy, sustainable habits. Noom believes that weight loss starts with the brain, and their daily lessons are tailored to help users understand the science behind food cravings and eating choices. Whether you want to lose weight, increase physical activity, meet a health goal, or simply change the way you think about food, Noom can help you build healthy habits while still enjoying your favorite foods. Stay focused on what's important to you with Noom's psychology and biology-based approach. Sign up for your trial today at Noom.com and check out Noom's first-ever cookbook, The Noom Kitchen, for 100 healthy and delicious recipes to promote better living. Available to buy now wherever books are sold. When Rabbi Rachel Timoner decided to look for more things to celebrate in the second half of a person's life, she asked her congregants what was important to them. Well, we had a member, I had been thinking about menopause, and then we had a member who was going through menopause say, I want 
to do a special Devar Torah about entering menopause. And I want to I want to come and teach on a Friday night. And she wanted a moment where we would all kind of take note of this life transition. And when I first heard it, I thought, I wonder how that will go over. And I thought, like, we have got to do this. Like, we've got to try it. It was fabulous. We put out a call to all the women, you know, between a certain age range. And we put it, said, hey, we're going to be celebrating menopause. Come. There was the woman who was who had initiated it came up with a special cocktail for the reception afterwards. And it was just like a special party for menopause. And we invited everyone who was um, either perimenopausal or, you know, in menopause to stand during the service. And I gave everyone a blessing. And there was a little bit that was tongue in cheek about it, but actually it was also important. Like this is usually ignored, right? In most communities, this is just an ignored experience, but it is very real for the people going through it. And, um, and often signifies a new chapter in life. And so it ought to be celebrated. Why, why is this that in the second half of someone's life, we find less cause for celebration? You know, is it because people think, well, it's all been done before. You don't see anything new. I mean, there seems to be less excitement about the second half of life. I think that we've inherited less excitement about the second half of life. And I... It might be because that was a shorter period of time for our ancestors who were designing these rituals 2,000 years ago. It might be because the body begins to um, decline for many of us. We have more aches and pains. We may have diseases. We have, I think, fear of aging and fear of mortality. I think that's actually maybe the biggest thing is that we feel like there's this point, you know, we call it over the hill or whatever, this point where we've kind of been in this in this ascent and now it's going to be a descent and that things only get worse. But many people, I'm, I'm 52, I feel like I'm in the best moment of my life. I don't feel like it's ever been better than this. And I, many people of my age say the same thing. There is a growing in wisdom. That's real. There is often an unburdening of the real intense period of parenting for many people. There is often a moment of having kind of reached a place in one's career or life's work that has great satisfaction in it. There's a lot to celebrate. And I think it's high time for us to to change our outlook about the second half of life. Tell me about the decision to have a second bar mitzvah. Oh, that, that actually was a, a conversation I discussed with Rabbi Timona. Uh, Rabbi Timona is a very special person, and she has become very special in Julianne and my life. And... Uh, we were talking one day and I just said, you know, I'm going to be 83. And she said to me, she just said, why don't you have a second bar mitzvah? Feels to me like a full circle kind of moment that you did this when you were a very young adolescent and here you've lived another 70 years of life and you're coming back to these same basic skills in front of a, a, a Jewish community that 
is in perhaps in those 70 years you've grown in so much depth in the relationships in that community have come into a totally different place in your relationship to the Torah and to the Jewish people and to the particular community you live in and so there's just this feeling of wholeness um of completeness of having made a journey and and come back to the same ritual again as in a totally different place that you are in your life Typically, there are two bar mitzvahs on any Saturday morning at Beth Elohim, two 13-year-olds. But on one Saturday in late October 2016, there was one 13-year-old and one 83-year-old. Well, it was very special because there was a young man who was being bar mitzvahed that day for the first time, a young fella. And his name was... Julian. Julian, you're right. His name was Julian, and my name was Jules. So there was a very close uh, connection there. And uh, he, he and I, we, you know, we took pictures together. The rabbis blessed us, and uh, his mother gave us a picture of that uh, event, which I still have, and I look at it every day. And it's, uh, it's a wonderful memory. Jules's second bar mitzvah was a big event. Some of Julianne's close friends from Vassar came into the city for it. Jules and Julianne's son and grandchildren were there to watch, too. They all wore bow ties in honor of Jules because he always wears a bow tie because his father always wore a bow tie. I don't know if I felt any uh, more Jewish or anything, any special feeling other than being elated and happy that my family was there. And, you know, you live uh, 90 years and you realize that the most important things in life are family, friends, and faith. Everything else is just commentary. What you need to mention is that you had the recording of your first bar mitzvah and oh, that yeah. you played it, and that was a very, very emotional thing for everybody. Well, um, my father, you know, was the principal viola player of the CBS Radio Symphony, and the principal flute player, Julius Baker, was a very good friend of his. And Julius Baker was an amateur audiophile. He had a record-cutting machine in his apartment. So my father took me to his apartment, and I sang the Musaf service, and he recorded it. That was in 1946. Seventy years later, during his second bar mitzvah, the old recording of Jules's 13-year-old voice was played over the synagogue's loudspeakers. The Musaf service will be sung by Jules Martin Hirsch from Mitzvah at the Avenue N Jewish Community Center, May 18, 1946. <laughs> We'll be right back. 
Support for this show comes from Nine West. Winter's finally coming to a close, but you might still fall the very ground beneath your feet with the hottest new trends from Nine West. Nothing beats the confidence the perfect little piece can give you. And their new collections of footwear, apparel, and accessories will let you take on the world in style. Use their Need It Now Edit, also known as the Nine Edit, to search effortlessly through trends like Western-style boots, loafers, and more. It's time to wear our confidence, ladies. We can't be contained. Because this spring at Nine West, we are infinite. Buy now and get 15% off with code PODCAST24. Fox Creative. This is advertiser content from 26.2 Team Milk and their new docu-series, Running Sucks. Is running the worst? Yeah. Do you love it? Do you hate it? I hate it so much. I hate it so freaking much. That you're a real runner now! I did it. I'm Abby Ayers, a 37-year-old mom from Utah who found herself running across the Manhattan Bridge in my first race ever. Running Sucks celebrates women who run and the running communities that carry them across the finish line. Running helped me in so many ways postpartum. It really is about taking my power back and proving myself wrong. For every person like you, I'm telling you you belong and I'm telling you you can do it. I never thought the words would leave my mouth, but yes, I'm planning on running a marathon. (laughs) I can't even say it without laughing because like who would have thought? Watch Running Sucks at runningsuckstheseries.com and learn more about how Team Milk is helping women runners across the country conquer their next course. In 1922, a New York City rabbi named Mordecai Kaplan held a bat mitzvah for his daughter Judith. Hers is considered the first American bat mitzvah. But it took years to become more common for girls. Julianne Hirsch turned 13 in 1953. I went to a Christian Science Sunday School, which is a whole another subject. Uh, my brother had a bar mitzvah. I did not have a bat mitzvah. I mean, even at that time, I wouldn't have had a bat mitzvah. It didn't exist. Many years later, when Julianne turned 60, she decided to have her first bat mitzvah. This year, Julianne turned 83, the age when a person would have their second. She knew she wanted one. I I guess it all goes into my feelings about the Torah and the music and the tradition. Um, And I can't explain why it's important for me to stand there in that chapel and do that, but... I think the Torah is the most revered object in Judaism because it's the word of God, depending on how you feel about that, you know. And it's and it's not that's always so wonderful to be reading. There's a lot of repetition, um, and you wonder why there's so much repetition. And also... There's a lot in the Torah that is is wonderful. But I've come to think about the repetition in the Torah 
like repetition in music. And it just, and if you read it out loud, if you're not just trying to get through it because you see that's all it is, if you read it out loud, it becomes very dramatic. And I'm a lover of words from my childhood because my mother was a lover of words. And I was always told to look it up in the dictionary. She lived, in her later years, she lived with us, and she had an unabridged dictionary in her bed so she wouldn't have to get up to look up something. So I really, it's just hard for me to explain how I feel about this. Um, it's just very special to me. Julianne and Jules' synagogue, Beth Elohim, has several old Torahs. Many were damaged during the Holocaust. So in 2012, they decided they needed a new Torah to use during services and asked a woman scribe, Linda Coppelson, to write one. It would be the first Torah in New York City written by a woman. There are 79,847 words in the Torah, this one was written on scrolls of parchment using quill and ink. The work was done in the synagogue itself. A new Torah can be very expensive, so to help fund the project, Beth Elohim invited congregants to sponsor individual words. We were allowed to, by making contributions, we could write one of the words, because she would have her hand on ours, we could write one of the words. So the Torah is, is pages which are then sewn together. And then at another time, I, one of my dear friends, Esther Bigler, took part in sewing the pages together. So I feel like that Torah is part of me. As Julianne planned for her second bat mitzvah, she asked if this could be the Torah she chanted from, and if her grandchildren could stand up at the podium with her and chant together. We're just doing one portion of the Book of Numbers, one small portion of the Book of Numbers, which I don't know how much you know about the Torah, but it has the priestly blessing in it, and that's the only place in the Torah where it occurs. The Lord will bless you and keep you and shine his countenance upon you and give you peace. As Julianne says to all her friends that uh, she has an in-house teacher for the bar bat mitzvah portion. <laughs> <laughs> Julianne's bat mitzvah was scheduled for June 2nd, a Friday night. Our producer, Megan Kinane, went to see it. The Shabbat services started with music, Rabbi Timoner then asked people to share what they were grateful for that week. She asked if anyone was mourning a loss within the last year. People stood and gave the names of their loved ones. Before Julianne's bat mitzvah started, her granddaughter, at six years old, got on the podium and received her Hebrew name. Then it was time for Julianne to chant the Torah along with her grandchildren, her son, and Jules. Julianne gave us permission to play this audio. Amen, vizot Torah, Hanazir, Biom, Melot, Yemen, et Karbano, Ladonai, Saul, 
מצות, סולת חלות. כפי נדרו אשר ידור, כן יעשה על תורת נזרו. ידבר Julianne, would you like to hold the microphone for yourself or do you want it on the stand? Unhold it? I can hold it. Okay, right under your chin. <clears throat> okay. So the next time I do this, it's not going to be during allergy season. <laughs> and some of you who know me well may be surprised about what I've written here, and I'm surprised myself, actually. This is audio from a short speech Julianne gave to the congregation. When Rabbi Timona first came, we hosted a gathering at our home for her to meet some of our members. We each introduced ourselves. Along with other details, I said that I wasn't sure if I believed in God. Rabbi Timona said clearly that she believed in God. I've been uncomfortable about belief, about faith. I couldn't believe in an anthropomorphic God, a man with a long beard sitting on a throne someplace. So did I believe in something? Did I have faith in what? Recently in a class I was auditing on mass from Bach to Schubert, the subject of the Trinity came up. The Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. Wow, spirit, bigo, that's it. That ineffable something. Maybe we read the Torah over and over because the words on the page are something tangible, something we can hold on to. It's hard to hold on to an ineffable, non-corporeal presence. Obviously, I have joy in music, but also in all the arts, and clouds, the shapes of clouds, and trees. I love the shapes of trees in the winter when you can see the shape of each individual tree, and of course, people. I feel such joy. I want to hug all of it, the people, the trees, the clouds, the words. The spirit surrounds us. So why are we here tonight in this room together? When I embarked on this journey of a second bat mitzvah, I was not thinking about faith. I just wanted to do it because I'm 83 and it could be done. <laughs> I love chanting. I love the rhythm of the melodies and the Hebrew words. I've spent a lifetime hearing the chanting teacher. It's part of me. that other people should do this, should have their their second bar and bat mitzvah at 83? If they feel so moved. It's a marker of, well, here I am, I've lived this long, and so I'm here before you saying that here I am, which is actually what was said in the Bible, right? Here I am. <laughs> this is Love is created by Lauren Spohr and me. 
Nadia Wilson is our senior producer. Katie Bishop is our supervising producer. Our producers are Susanna Robertson, Jackie Sajiko, Lily Clark, Lena Sillison, Sam Kim, and Megan Kinane. This episode was mixed by Emma Munger. Engineering by Russ Henry. Learn more about the show on our website, thisislovepodcast.com, and sign up for our newsletter at thisislovepodcast.com slash newsletter. If you like the show, the most important thing you can do is just tell a friend or leave us a review. It means a lot. You can listen to This Is Love without any ads by signing up for Criminal Plus. You'll also get to listen ad-free to our other shows, Criminal and Phoebe Reads a Mystery. Plus, you'll get bonus episodes and more. To learn more, go to thisiscriminal.com slash plus. We're on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at This Is Love Show. This Is Love is recorded in the studios of North Carolina Public Radio, WUNC. We're part of the Vox Media Podcast Network. Discover more great shows at podcast.voxmedia.com. I'm Phoebe Judge, and this is Love. Support for this show comes from Nine West. Winter's finally coming to a close, but you might still fall the very ground beneath your feet with the hottest new trends from Nine West. Nothing beats the confidence the perfect little piece can give you. And their new collections of footwear, apparel, and accessories will let you take on the world in style. Use their Need It Now edit, also known as the Nine edit, to search effortlessly through trends like Western-style boots, loafers, and more. It's time to wear our confidence, ladies. We can't be contained. Because this spring at Nine West, we are infinite. Buy now and get 15% off with code PODCAST24. Why do you run? Why does anyone? I always thought that runners loved running. And that's not the case. Most runners hate running. (laughs) But they choose to do it. In the new docu-series Running Sucks, brought to you by Team Milk, Abby Ayers learns why women runners everywhere are driven to go the distance. It really is about taking my power back and proving myself wrong. Team Milk is about fueling women's performance and helping them along their marathon journeys. You can sign up now for the inaugural Every Woman's Marathon, taking place in Savannah, Georgia, on November 16, 2024. Learn more and register at everywomansmarathon.com.